Welcome to the Humanity Matters Podcast, where we discuss and reflect on faith and philosophy, nonprofit leadership, and social issues. We want to engage ideas on what it means to be a free human being in the pursuit of human flourishing. For more information, visit our website, philipfletcher.org. And now, the Humanity Matters Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Humanity Matters Weekly. I am your host, Dr. Philip Fletcher, where we discuss faith and philosophy, nonprofit leadership, and social issues. We want to engage with ideas related to human flourishing. And today is our special Humanity Matters uh, one-on-one, and it's going to be with Lakita Norris. But before we get started, uh, as always, I want to I remind you to connect with me on my social media, and you can find me on Twitter, on Facebook at, at Dr. Philip Fletcher, always on YouTube at Humanity Matters. Please, when you go over there, please subscribe. I would greatly appreciate it. And as always, find me on the World Wide Web at philipfletcher.org, philipfletcher.org. That's Philip with two L's. And coming, as always, during the week. All right, rap, hip hop, and freedom. This past week, we looked at Boogie Down Productions and we looked at the West Coast All Stars as we talked about uh, the non aggression principle and violence in some Black communities. And the reality is that there have been voices who have talked about these uh, unfortunate events for decades. And so please check that out on the Humanity Matters channel where you can subscribe. Leave me a uh, review. And coming up in June, we will have Lawrence W. Reed. He uh, is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. And so that will be a great discussion next up on the Humanity Matters one-on-one. And so uh, today we are going to be talking with Miss Lakita Norris, who is a clinical therapist and owner of family, Gateway Family Therapy. Her specialization includes treatment of trauma with training in EMDR, codependency, as well as depression and anxiety. She is dedicated to helping individuals feel empowered and pursue a journey of growth and well-being. So, Keita, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. So, tell us about yourself. Okay. Um, my name's Aquita. He said that part. I am a certified clinical um, therapist here in Benton, Arkansas. I'm also a trauma specialist. Um, my specialty, as he said, is trauma. That's what I see more than anything. That's my happy place. Um, I enjoy working with those that are also on that new journey of figuring out who am I? Um, why am I not where I want to be? What's preventing me from getting there? I also see a lot of anxiety and depression as well. Um, I work from a trauma lens, so I do believe anybody that walks in my door um, has had some type of trauma. So typically, even if someone comes in with a complaint of anxiety or depression or even relational turmoil, we it leads us back to trauma. So that's typically what I'm working with. Um, I've been in practice here um, in Benton for about eight years and been practicing for about 11 years in all. Okay. Good deal. Good deal. So just like icebreaker type questions. So like, what are some of your hobbies? Tell us a little bit about those. What do you like to do when you're not 
when I'm not helping people. The one place where I feel like I can get away and not give to someone else because I'm a mother as well. I have a six-year-old, so I'm giving there. Um, I help take care of my parents, giving there. So my hobby is the complete opposite, and that's the gym. It's the one place where I don't have to help. I don't have to give. I can ignore. I mean the complete opposite of what I do in all the other roles in my life. So um, the gym, working out is my safe place. That's my therapy. Good, good. So why did you pursue the occupation of becoming a clinical therapist and also a social worker? Can you talk to us about that journey? And uh, like I like to ask people, what is your why? And to manifest that in life and and helping people share that with us. Of course. So, you know, um, many, you know, that corny saying when passion meets purpose, I feel like that's so true for me. Um, My parents will probably say, since birth, I've had this need to to have the answer why answered about everything that has to do with humanity. I've always had this keen interest in why are things happening to people? Why are people dealing with these adversities? But even bigger, who's supposed to help them and why aren't they helping? What does help look like and why can't people be um, rehabilitated? So those have always just been my quest and what I found most interesting and I, even going back to like early childhood, kids like cartoons. I liked Lifetime. So it was always I was just so interested in humanity and the social environment and how it affected the people around us. So um, from there, everything I did encompassed that the the groups in school I chose, the thing, the classes I found most interesting, the sorority I chose, everything encompassed helping people. And then um when I took my first psychology class, I was like, oh, this is boring. I don't think I want to do this anymore. Yeah. I took sociology and intro to social work. And I'm like, oh, this is where it's at. This is it's more about just the biological component, but also like how does the social environment affect people and how does that adversity aid into mental health and how we work and how we choose to deal with the things around us. And so that led me to my specific training. Um and then seeing how the world deals with trauma is what led me into my trauma specialty. Okay, good. So speak to our audience about the importance of therapy and how it can aid children as well as adults. Okay, of course. Um, well, and I think, right, I will say right now, I've, in my whole career, there's never been a time when I feel like people have utilized therapy as much as it's being utilized right now. And so... And I hate that it's taken the things that we're going, we're dealing with as a nation to sort of increase the use of therapy. But I think just seeing what we're going or dealing with in totality right now is proof in itself that, you know, we can't deal with things alone, nor should we have to. Mm-hmm. And the more that we avoid things, the more that we don't deal with the things that are present, whether it's things passed on or current factors then we will have problems functioning, whether that's physically, emotionally, but definitely mentally. And so seeing that we're affected just as individuals by bigger things, I think is indication that we have to find something, some way to cope. And therapy is one of those ways. And it, you know, it doesn't mean that someone is sick. It means that someone is choosing to not have to deal alone. Hmm. So, so when a person comes to you for their first time, uh, in general, what can what can he or she expect? 
first appointment for me is always, well, and I'm a little different. Technically, the first appointment is supposed to be an evaluation, but I'm a firm believer that if someone has built up the courage to go to therapy, that they want therapy at this point. Mm -hmm. So we actually have a true therapy session. However, my biggest goals for a client in that initial session is a therapeutic relationship. Like Mm -hmm. I want them to know that we're a good fit and that they're in the right place, but get some of those basic questions answered that someone has going into therapy as to how would we get some of these things resolved? This is what's happened to me. What could this be? What does this mean? Um, What is your style? How would we go about this specific goal I have addressing it in therapy? So typically an initial session with me and most therapists is building the foundation, building a relationship, but also getting those questions answered so that you know you're in the right place and what future sessions will look like. Okay. So, you know, you you kind of alluded to uh, just a lot of things that's been going on in our nation, you know, last two years, COVID, racial unrest. Uh, I would even add how people responded to uh, political life and elections and, and things like that. Uh, what role is therapy going to play in assisting individuals and even families um, dealing with one or, or multiple variables? How, how, how is therapy going to help individuals through to, to negotiate uh, these things that they're wrestling with? I think the biggest thing for, for all therapists, and I don't want to speak for all therapists, but I know with things that have been brought up in meetings and things with other colleagues is trying to not treat clients as a whole group, like treating each individual as an individual when they walk in that office, because we don't know how people are being affected and what that effect is having on them. But instead of, you know, having our own opinion as to what this person is probably going through asking and allowing them, giving them the opportunity and holding space for them when they're ready to be vulnerable to express that with us. Um, Also um, holding space and allowing them to understand that we're human too. So although we're holding space for you to deal with things, we're human and we're dealing with them too, but we're more than willing to still help you deal with them as well. Um, Allowing more opportunity for people that typically wouldn't have access to therapy, assuring that they have that access. Insurance companies are doing a really good job of allowing telehealth and they've extended it just because it's a time when people need therapy and they need access to it, whether they can drive to it or not. Um, You know, there's um, most jobs are have EAP and they've extended the amount of sessions that they're giving to their employees as a way to try to help. Um, A lot of therapists are donating time to companies and individuals that can't get services. Um, So, you know, I know as a whole, we're trying to assure that our client base understand that we were here before, but we're definitely here now, too. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, EAP, uh, what is that? Employee Assistance Program. All right. Good deal. Good deal. So let's dig into trauma. Can you uh, offer an explanation of what trauma is uh, from your professional knowledge and understanding? Um, How does it manifest uh, talk to us about that. Okay. And, let's, and what I always like to offer at first is when I'm giving a definition of trauma, I like for us to first try to look at it subjectively because okay. when we try to give an objective definition of trauma, it completely takes away from what trauma is. And mm. trauma is a subjective issue most of the time. You know, okay. we can have five people experience the same situation, but that doesn't mean that it was all, it was traumatizing for all of them. And so, mm. 
trauma is anything that a person, an individual, a group of people have dealt with that has changed in some aspect, the way they view themselves, the way they experience things somatically in their body, um, their thoughts, their feelings, but definitely their behavior. So anything that has impacted those things in a way to where they cannot function in a way they were able to prior or would like to, then in some sense that can be seen as trauma. But that individual has to see it as trauma in order for it to truly be seen as traumatic. And that's why I say I like to have a subjective view of it. But it's, in all honesty, anything that has changed the way we are able to function on a mental, emotional, physical, or psychological level. And that, and I've given some examples. Um, you had mentioned yeah, COVID. Yeah. yeah, you had mentioned COVID. COVID has been traumatizing to probably most of us, even mm-hmm. if it's not directly, indirectly. Um you know, abuse is trauma. However, a divorce can be just as traumatizing. Going from kindergarten to first grade for my six-year-old, it's traumatizing for her because she's leaving all her friends. You know, the next person might not see it the same way. However, it's changing the way they're behaving, how they feel about themselves, their sense of self. Then to some extent, um, it's traumatizing. Some um, some ways that trauma may manifest for individuals, for many people, it starts out as physical. Um, right. You know, um, headaches is a common symptom you will see in a person that is having side effects or symptoms of some type of trauma experience, um, lack of sleep or insomnia, hypersomnia, being hypervigilant, um, dreams or flashbacks can be right. um, symptoms of trauma. Also, um, low sense of self, how you talk to yourself always feeling hopeless, always feeling as if there's going to be something bad happening, um, being anxious that um, or worried that something bad is going to happen mm-hmm. are all symptoms or characteristics of trauma. Okay. So um, EMDR. So mm-hmm. I want you to dig into that okay. uh, with us um, because that is a a method that is used to help people deal with trauma? Am I using the right language? Yep, that is correct. Okay. Uh, so um, talk to us about EMDR. I'm going to shut up and, and just let you go. Okay. Yep. There is a There's several different modalities um, for trauma. One of the most well-known trauma um, treatment modalities for trauma right now is EMDR, and it's eye movement um, desensitization and reprocessing therapy. It's a long word that no one would probably ever care to say, but it does great work with trauma. Um, It uses by, it's it's not like traditional talk therapy. It's actually completely different than traditional talk therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, A therapist is really doing less of the work and the client is doing more of the internal processing. Mm Um, it, it's focused on finding targets or sp- targets. And when I say targets, I, I'm referring to specific trauma situations in a person's life that they identify that is still causing similar symptoms today. Okay. For instance, maybe a person um, highly, she gets really anxious when she goes in a group of a group full of men. And maybe it's related to when she was five, um, something bad happened with the group of men and she still responds that way every time today. That's a trauma response. And so we would work with that trauma using bilateral stimulation um, most of the time, which is eye movements to help that person reprocess the material. Because initially the material is reprocessed in a way that is unhealthy and not adaptive to that person functioning well. It's 
processed in a way that's out of that fight or flight. So whatever comes up or whatever belief is sort of ignited at that moment, that's sort of what that person believes forever. Like she probably believed, well, I'm never going to be safe in a group of men. That was the belief system that came from that. And from doing this therapy, it undoes that. It undoes um, that belief system, creates a new one, and then desensitizes that person from the um, effects of that experience. So next time when she's in a group of men, she won't respond the same way she did then because she doesn't hold that same belief system about the trauma that she had back then. So that's like a very abbreviated way to yeah, the- yeah sort of what happens in an EMDR session, um, which is way more in-depth and and intense than that. But um, that sort of sums up what is happening. We're reprocessing the material mm-hmm. instead of desensitizing that person from the effects of that material so that they can function differently with the same situation. The situation, of course, doesn't change. It's how we respond to it or teach ourselves to respond to it, to it and what okay. changes. Good deal. Hey, this is Dr. Philip Fletcher, and I'm with Makita Norris today, and she is licensed clinical therapist and owner of Gateway Family Therapy, and we are talking about mental health and therapy and trauma and how she helps uh, individuals and families and children um, grow and pursue their uh, well-being. So what are some of the hesitancies uh, that people have with going to therapy? What are some of the, I guess, stigmas attached to it? Stereotypes people have, you know, developed over the years that prevent people from saying, hey, you know what? Uh, I need to go to therapy. But if I were to do so, that's looked at, you know, it's yeah. frowned upon. I know when I was in the military, uh, there was a time when, um, you know, when it was suggested that you go see a counselor or go see the chaplain, just to kind of talk about what was going on with you or, you know, family or uh, more specifically, if a situation happened, um, you know, basically because it was a military, you know, combat and things like that. Um, typically, there was this general thing of guys wouldn't go uh, because that may, you know, have an impact on their professional career. Um, but later on, uh, it was slowly encouraged. Uh, and especially, you know, dealing with suicide, especially with ve- uh, military and with veterans, uh, more and more um, soldiers began to see the benefits of that. So can you help unmake some of these stereotypes and stigmas? Of course. People can feel, um, I like it in your bio, you talk about people being empowered. Um, Can you talk to to us about that, please? Of course. I think one of the basic and probably the most profound stigma comes from, you know, we interchangeably use the word mental illness and mental health. Um, We all do it. You know, we're all guilty of it. And typically when when a person mentions going to therapy, most people think, oh, well, if you go to therapy, you're going because you have a mental illness. Whereas that's not the case. Everyone or probably most people that go to therapy don't have a diagnosed mental illness. Um, However, they are going to address their mental health and we all have mental health. And if we looked at it as we all have mental health, we all have a responsibility, not only to ourselves, but everybody we connect to 
to assure that we're well, then that's all we're doing. We're being preventative. We're assuring maintenance when we go to therapy. Um, it's definitely no different than going to a PCP. We assure we get our flu shots. We assure that our PCP us once a year just to make sure we're okay and that there's no, nothing else there. The same thing with seeing a therapist. Um, but most often we don't view it that way. We totally connect mental illness to therapy and that's not always the case. Do I have some clients that have a diagnosed mental illness? Yes, but I also have probably 75% that do not, that are there for adjusting to life situations or divorce or trauma, or because they are unhappy with how they're presenting themselves in their life today. And all that has to do with is our mental health. And mental health is our emotional well-being. That's our mental well-being. It's everything that's not physical is all mm-hmm. mental health is. And so I do feel like that's the biggest stigma and it carries, you know, it's, it's been carried on from generation to generation that if you go to therapy, something's wrong with you. Um, Mm -hmm. But I see it as those that aren't going to therapy, you know, maybe those, then it's something wrong with you because Mm -hmm. um, it's one of the most, you know, responsible things we could do for ourselves is Mm -hmm. to ensure that we're well so that we're interacting well with those around us. Yeah. I I think in my readings uh, this year, Uh, One of the things I I have learned in listening to different uh, individuals like yourself who's in your profession and and individuals who are um, going through therapy for, you know, whatever it is that they need to, uh, that they're going to and attending it. um, One of the things I found is um, it takes a lot of courage to acknowledge, you know, your vulnerabilities and that's not weakness, you know, but I think it's a lot of courage to not only acknowledge your vulnerabilities, but then sit with, you know, at the very beginning, a, a stranger, you know. Right, and, complete stranger, yeah. Yeah, a complete stranger at the beginning and and lay out uh, over time. I got it. Trust has to be right. built and, and, and that uh, to lay out those things and uh, but then be on the receiving end of, you know, hey, here are the tools. You talked about EMDR and and other things we'll get to, uh, so that we can flourish as a, as a human being. Right. And, um, I know for myself, you know, I go to VA, you know, it's helpful to, uh, sit down with somebody and, you know, just talk about things and, uh, you know, so you ain't yelling at somebody, I guess, (laughs) you know, clicking on somebody. Uh, that's, that's, those are the things I wrestle with. I'll be probably click on somebody, but, um, it's, it's courage, I think, you know, for somebody to come and, you know, reach out to you and be like, hey, I need help with exactly. this. I, yeah, okay. I was going to say it does take, you know, a lot of courage because you are allowing the most deepest wounds, exposed self, parts of yourself. Like you said, leave, you're leaving it with a stranger. But the biggest part of the courage, I feel like, is having enough faith that I can expose mm. myself in mm. return, get something better out of it. That is, you know, that's the hardest, but the most current, you know, that is the biggest piece of the courage there. Good deal. Hey, this is the Humanity Matters one-on-one with Lakita Norris. We are going to take a short break and be right back. Hi, I'm Wayne Cox. I'm a member of the steering committee for Hope Village. This is our founder, Dr. Philip Fletcher. We just like to thank the people of our community who partnered with Hope Village because certainly we wouldn't be as far as long as we are without your help. But recently we received 
a generous donation of $10,000. We'd like to try to match that amount. So we'd like your help. So this is your opportunity, no matter who you are or how much you have to give, to contribute to Hope Village. Please make a donation, share this video and our GoFundMe page with your family, friends, co-workers. Let's make Hope Village a reality here in Conway and Faulkner County as we continue to kill the stigma regarding homelessness. As always, remember to be loved, to be kind, and to be generous. Thank you for your support. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Humanity Matters Weekly, Humanity Matters One-on-One with Lakita Norris. Uh, she is a clinical therapist and owner of Gateway Family Therapy. We've been talking about some good things on this discussion. So, uh, Lakita, what are some skills uh, a therapist can help his or her client develop? You, we've talked about uh, EMDR. What are some other things um, that a therapist can help his or her client to negotiate life well and i think you mentioned one of the first skills they learn is to show up as self and allow yourself to be vulnerable not out of fear of rejection but out of faith that i am enough to do this for myself so i think it's hope being able learning initially i I'm, I'm okay as I am and I deserve to get better. I deserve to be able to go to someone and not reject myself by not even going. Um, but, you know, oftentimes I will say, no matter what a, a client comes to therapy for, one of the things they always leave therapy saying is, I feel comfortable in my skin. I feel like I have a voice and I feel like my voice has been heard. And that is one of the biggest things is they come in with this stranger, but it's a neutral person. It's a person where they don't have to save face. They don't have to have, you know, a wall up. They don't have to have certain expectations met. Instead, I can just come and be myself and have my voice heard. Whether I solve any problem, I go in and I'm able to get my voice heard. Um, improved sense of self is one of the, the basic things that I feel like is always gained in therapy. Um, resolving traumas. You know, many people don't realize they have trauma until they come to therapy and they realize that all the symptoms that I've been having are all related to these these issues I've never dealt with. And now I can deal with them and now I can leave symptom free. Um I feel like is another, you know, just basic thing that is often addressed in therapy. For many people, um, it's ending that um, generational curse of not dealing with things. Mm -hmm. I, that is, I pride myself on teaching people to not hurt in silent, but, you know, boldly heal. Like, let me, mm -hmm. you know, heal out loud. And so coming to therapy and breaking that generational curse that we hide things, that we don't deal with things, that we suffer silently, is what I feel like I would love or hope for any client that walks in my office to leave here having had accomplished that. Like, I don't have to, to hide or mute my voice anymore. I can heal. Hmm. Those are good words. Those are good words. So uh, on our downswing, how can people get in contact with you, uh, Gateway Family Therapy? What are services that uh, your business offers? Talk to us about that. I am located in Benton, Arkansas. Um, you can reach me. My website is gatewayfamilytherapy.com. Um, on Facebook or Instagram, it's Gateway Family Therapy. Um, you can reach me on either of those platforms. I offer individual and couples therapy. I see um, anyone ages 14 and up. 
I got, as I said before, my specialty, what um, most clients come to me for is trauma, um, self-esteem. Um, I have um, a keen interest in um, intimacy after infidelity as far as couples go. So helping couples rebuild inti- intimacy after there has been trauma related mm-hmm. to infidelity mm-hmm. is another area that um, I do a lot here at Gateway. But I'm here. Um, my doors are always open. Feel free to reach out. Good deal. So leave our uh, watchers with two encouragements. Okay. Two encouragements. Um, my first, well, I want to say, you know, I'm human. So I understand that with everything that's going on in the world today, we all in some sense are battling with things that we would like to see change. But we're also realizing that we have absolutely no control over Um So I want to say that with also saying that there is one thing that we have sole control over, and that is how we choose to deal with the things that things we're experiencing. Um, We can choose to avoid. We can choose to self-medicate. And then we can also choose to heal. So one of my first encouragements would be for you to choose what's most active out of those three, which is healing, because that is the one thing that no one can take from us. No one can do for us, but we have sole control over. And so much right now we don't, but we do have control over how we choose to deal with all these things that we're battling with inside of us. That would be my first encouragement. Um, My second encouragement would be to have that courage, as Phil mentioned, Philip mentioned, um, to do what's best for you right now, to not let stigma, to not let um, rejection, the fear of it, um, or your own rejection to keep you from doing what's best for you, whether that's going for that interview tomorrow, going to therapy tomorrow, saying no to something that you've been saying yes to for too long. Um, but having the courage to choose you and hold space for you when no one else will or can to, to do that for yourself. That would be my two encouragements to heal and to hold space for yourself enough to choose you. Hey, thank you, Lakita. That was, uh, that was beautiful. That was, <laughs> that was, that was. Everybody, thank you for joining us for the Humanity Matters one-on-one discussion with Lakita Norris. Again, I will put all of her contact information in the video description and uh, just my personal encouragement just to echo what uh, Lakita talked about is, um, hey, go to therapy. Have the courage to uh, be vulnerable with somebody, talk about what is going on and uh, cultivate that trust so that we can grow. And as she says, uh, pursue uh, our well-being, especially coming out of some very difficult times, especially this last uh, two and a half years. So as always, you can Uh, Once again, connect with me on social media at any of the different platforms. I would love to connect with you, whether on Facebook, Twitter, over on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. Also, check out the Humanity Matters podcast. You can find that wherever you get your podcast content. This uh, interview will be on podcast content as well. So if you're walking or working out or washing dishes or just hanging out at home, you'll be able to uh, hear this whole interview with uh, Miss Norris. And uh, don't forget about Rap, Hip Hop, and Freedom, which releases on Friday, sometimes Saturdays. Coming up, we are going to be uh, checking out Kendrick Lamar and some of the things that he has to say. And then finally, in June, 
Our next Humanity Matters one-on-one discussion will be with Lawrence Reed, uh, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. And as always, remember to be loved, to be kind, to be generous. And if we remember to live in hope, we can do the impossible. Y'all take care. God bless. Thank you for joining us at the Humanity Matters podcast. For more information, visit our website, philipfletcher.org. Like us on YouTube. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Remember to be loved, be kind, be generous. And if we remember to live in hope, we can do it.